God has to have a capacity to come and move. Even in the Old Testament, we see this with David. You guys remember David, right? We always talk about David. Well, David, they had built this temple for him. And here was David in his temple, the, the first night in his temple, and he's hanging out, and he's looking around, and he's going, hey, uh, here I am in this beautiful palace made with all this expensive wood, make, made with all of these nice things, and God still remains in a tent outside. God is still in a temporary house. We need a permanent place for God's dwelling, and we understand that we are the dwelling place of God. Are you with me? We are the capacity, but also there are places that God sets up where people can gather corporately to come together to have a place where God can come and have it and have it and move and come and have his dwelling to expose his reality to mankind. Are you with me? So we've been creating a place, a capacity for God to come and dwell in our lives and also in a facility. So they got me thinking this week, you know, here we are, we're taking this building. We don't even know when it was built. I mean, it looks by the, by the looks of it, as much hard time as this building has given us to, to get up to where it needs to be. It seemed like it was built like in the 18th century or something, but, uh, this building was built probably in the fifties and, uh, they, you know, just, it was built like that. It wasn't people come in and made renovations and they made changes and they messed a lot of things up. So we had to come in and we had to, we had to make things right. We had to get this facility in a place to where it was functional. Come on, are you with me? And so I, that got me thinking, God has to do that in our lives. He has to come and he has to renovate. He has to come in and clean out the old to bring in the new. He wants to come in and create a larger, because this is the way it is. When we come to Jesus, we don't have any capacity for him in our lives because we're just full. We're full of the world. We're full of ourselves. We're full of all these things. So what, what God is asking for is for us not to come figured out, but for us just to come empty. In fact, whenever we came in here and we started doing all this building, it would have been easier if we would have come in and there were no walls. If it was just empty, it would have been easier. But God comes in and he he renovates our lives. He renovates our hearts and transforms us so that he can have a place to dwell. And uh, I believe that just as we came in here, we've done something new in this facility. From what I understand, this facility has been a restaurant. It's been a couple of churches. It's been... uh, what else has it been? Uh, that might have been all, maybe several restaurants. It's been all kinds of things. There was a funeral home that was wanting to get it about the time that we were uh, making an offer on it. And so it's been many different things. But because of all of that demand on it, it was, it was hard for us to come in and, and find a, a place. Am I connecting with you this morning? So God, when he, what he wants to do is he wants to have total ownership. He wants to have total control of our lives to come in and get rid of everything that doesn't belong so that he can have a dwelling in us. Are you tracking with me? And you know, here we are at the beginning of the year. It's, it's so awesome that here we are at the beginning of the year and people are making New Year's resolutions. You know, usually you should have preached this message two weeks ago, but I kind of give you guys enough time to go ahead and break your New Year's resolutions, you know, give you a couple of weeks. And so we could really talk about being new, really having a good capacity. And, uh, you know, we're always thinking of that. We normally uh, don't follow through very well on resolutions. How many of you are with me? And I believe that the reason why we don't follow that we don't follow through very well is mostly because we haven't created a capacity in our lives for that change to happen, for the newness to come. So we've just left a bunch of old things in there, a bunch of old mentalities, a bunch of old mindsets. And whenever we try to launch into something new, it doesn't happen because we're programmed the old way. So what God wants to do is he wants to come in and refresh us and reprogram us so we can function the way that he's designed us to function. So this morning I want to talk about a capacity 
for the new. How many of you guys want something new to happen in your life this year? I don't know about you, but I am always wanting the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I struggle a little bit with, with just being, okay, let's just chill here. I'm always wanting the next thing. I'm always, God, what are you speaking now? God, what are you saying today? God, what do you want to do in this place right now? What do you want to do in this hour? This is, this is me, man. I'm, I've been going after Jesus for 20 years like this. Just, ah, I want more. I want more of your presence. I want a greater reality. I want a new experience. Come on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that we are accountable for the experiences that we've had. But I think if we're not driving for more, then we become stale and complacent. And uh, so Isaiah 43 this scripture is actually speaking of Jesus. These are actually messianic prophecies of Jesus coming. And God starts laying out all this stuff that he did to the Israelites. He's like, man, I delivered you, and I come in and I rescued you, and I took care of you. I provided for you in the, in the, in the wilderness, in the desert. I took care of you. I gave you the cities. I've done all these things. And this is what he says in verse 18. He says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, in order for you to get set up for your future, you got to forget about your past because nothing will hold on to you like your past. And most of us, we live life and we walk around and we're going, well, this happened to me and this happened. And so what happens, rather than being identified by hope and what's in the future, we identify ourselves with what has happened to us, not what is happening to us, not where we're going, but where we've been. Now, listen, it's, it's good to know where you've been. It's good to know where you've been, but you don't live from that. You live from what God is doing and what God is going to do. You want a history. You want a history. There's nothing wrong with history. We need that. We need that for wisdom. We need that for life experience. But you don't live according to your history. You live according to what God is doing now and what God is doing in the future. Hope. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not get it? I am making a way in the desert and streams and in wastelands. The wild animals will honor me. The jackals and the owls. I love that. Because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I formed for myself. That they may proclaim my praise. I love how the... Uh, NL, the, I believe it's the NLT says this, Isaiah uh, 43, 18. It says, but forget all that. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. So, man, you can look. I, I remember when I first got saved and I, I went into this church and, and uh, it was 1993. And uh, there was all these people, this, the, the church that I got saved in, it was kind of birthed in, in a movement. It was birthed like in the 70s or something. And God was doing all this stuff, so they started a church. So what normally happens out of movements, God starts churches. So that, that's cool. We're, we're all about that. But what was happening is people were like, oh, remember when it was like this? And remember when it was like that? And, oh, you should have been there back then. And I'm like, I don't know what it was like back then, but I know that God wants to do something even greater now. There's nothing wrong with our history, but we're not defined necessarily so much by our history, but what God is saying about us now and our future. Come on, if, you were, if we were defined by our history, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just count me out. But we're defined by hope. We're defined by what God has instilled in us. So I ask you this morning, do you want a new thing? Do you want change? Do you want transformation in your life? I do. I do. I'm not good with where I'm at. I'm good with who God is, but I'm not good with where I'm at. Do you want what is better or has complacency 
set in. How are you doing? What's your walk with Jesus like? And I'm saying that in a very non-condemning way. What's your walk with Jesus like compared to five years ago? Is it worse? Is it better? It should be better. Because God was doing a new thing yesterday. He got over that, though. I want to provoke you a little bit this morning and stir you to live in a new reality. Not just because it's the new year, but because God is full of hope. And wherever you're at, God has something better. No matter how great your situation is, no matter how dark it is, God has something better. There's a better you. There's a better version of you. And if you're like, well, I'm good enough, well, then you can, you can live in your pride and you can live in your past. And you can think that you got it all figured out and you can think that you're good. And that's fine because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when you're humble enough to say, God, I don't have it figured out. I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous enough. Then he comes in with grace and he gives the 2.0. You know what I'm saying? The next version, the upgrade. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, so all you got to do is just click that button in your life. that says, yes, update, click, get before the presence, update, right? So I believe that that's what God's wanting to do today. Some of you, he wants to do a renovate. Some of you, he wants to just do an update, but we all at least need an update. Some of us need to renovate. <laughs> Luke chapter five, it says, Jesus gave this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and sews it onto a patch of an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. For wine must be stored in new wineskins. The capacity for new wine... It's new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old wine is just fine, they say. But we know that God is the God of the new wine. But in order for the new wine to come, there's got to be a new wineskin. I don't know if you guys know anything about wineskins, but, but basically wineskins in Scripture were, were the skins of animals. And so when they would clean these animals, I know it sounds pretty gross, but when they would clean the skin of these animals, sometimes they would use like a stomach or sometimes they just use the skin and they would sew it together and they make these kegs, basically, these, these uh, barrels, these containers for wine. And so what would happen is they would have to use them fresh off the butcher's block. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they sew it up, they make it ready. But what would happen is people, wine skins cost money. So people would want to use all their wine in their wine skin, and they go get new wine in their old wine skin. And so what would happen is when that wine skin runs out of wine, it ends up kind of getting hard, and it kind of ends up getting crusty. So when they would take it to the wine dealer, and they would fill it up with new wine, it would begin to pour in this crusty old wine skin, and it would begin to break. Listen, God is the only one that can bring the wine but we've got to position ourselves to receive it. So I'd encourage you, like if you're like com- like a little bit complacent, like in your walk, if you're kind of struggling, you know, with like really like in your walk with Jesus, like you're not, you know that you like need to step it up, then do something different. You might be devoted. You might be reading your Bible every day. You might not be. 
Well, then you need to start. Start somewhere. Read a chapter a day. I know for me, every year I try to mix it up a little bit what I'm doing so I don't get stale. Several years ago, I used the NIV for like the first like 18 years I was saved. Like I was reading King James Version actually when I first got saved, and then I opened up an NIV and I read it, and I was like, wow, this is so much easier. And uh, so I started reading that, and then I was on that for like 15 years. And then I had this translation that I'd had for a long time called the NLT, and I just started reading it. And I was like, wow, it's like I'm reading the Word for the very first time. It did so much for my walk just changing up the translation. So just do simple little practical things. Change the radio station. Just little things. Move your prayer time. I pray in the morning every day at 5 o'clock. I'm going to go after God. Do it at night or do it both or do it at lunch. Do something different. I pray every day sitting at my desk with my coffee. Go outside. Go somewhere else. Just change something up. Change. Change brings change. Are you with me? Pray. You're not praying? Pray five minutes a day. If you're praying 20 minutes a day, pray 25 minutes a day. How about this? Fast. Mm. There's no fasting. No fasting. Jesus paid it all. What's well, interesting that Jesus, they came and they questioned Jesus right before he started talking about wine skins. They're like, hey, why don't your disciples fast? And he's like, well, the bridegroom is with them right now. The, the bridegroom is with them right now. There's no need for them to fast. He's like, but they will fast. You know who he's talking about? Us. It's not about if you fast, it's when you fast. So we'll probably be launching a fast here in February or something. So just get ready. Because I can tell you right now that nothing will increase your capacity to contain what God wants to do. It's about fasting. And we've kind of got on this thing, and I, I'm, all, I'm all about it, okay? I'm all about, like, you know, modifying your diet and calling that fasting. I'm all about that. But really, biblical fasting is like separating yourself from people, like going into hiding Right? It'd probably be better for you to do that for like two days. Just go away. Don't eat. Just take a canister of water in your Bible and a guitar and go and just camp out by the lake or something and just sit there for two days. Don't take any food and just focus on Jesus. That would do a lot more for you than like six months of fasting media or fasting tacos. I'm all about, I'm all about the modified diet fast. We do that Daniel fast is kind of where we got that. I'm all about that. You're giving up sacrifices, but nothing's going to create a capacity for you to just get away from everything and turn everything off and just go and plug into Jesus completely. And that's the point of fasting, really. Most people, their idea of fasting is, hey, I'll give this up. But the whole point of fasting is to give something up and substitute that time with something else, to give up the meal and pray. So you're still eating. There's no prayer involved. You're just getting rid of something. You're like, I've been fasting and nothing's changing. But maybe you need to change the way you fast. Or just fast. Hey, God, God will bless whatever you do. Maybe you just want to fast sushi. Not today, Ashley. But uh, maybe whatever it is. Coffee. I don't think that would be good for Jesus if I'm fasting coffee. Definitely wouldn't be good for the kingdom. Listen, let me say this about change. Because we're talking about just making changes. Change ain't cheap. Change ain't cheap. It's costly. It's hard. 
You know, there's so much. And I, I love the grace message. I love what God's speaking. I love the love of God and just being able to enjoy that. I love it. There's so much of that. And it just doesn't cost you anything, the love of God. And, man, it does it. You can't do anything for God's goodness. You can't do anything for God's faithfulness. But I'm telling you, if you want next-level Christianity, if you want next-level walk, it's going to cost you something. And if you don't believe that, then read, all, read about all the people that followed Jesus, first-century Christians. It cost them their lives. Cost them all their lives. Oh, guys, sorry. I'm going to be really believing God for some miracles in my life, so I'm fasting a hamburger helper. <laughs> That's what sacrifice. We will do anything in our society to avoid being uncomfortable. And we've got to change this. We've got to recognize that there's a beauty in, in paying a little price. There's a beauty in working hard. There's a beauty in grinding it out. Paul said, man, I forget everything. I press on. People call it striving. Oh, you're just striving. Yeah, I'm striving. I'm striving to know Jesus and crucify my flesh and experience more of God in my life. There's nothing I can do to change God's feelings about me. Nothing you can do will change that. But there's a lot you can do about receiving that and giving back to God. So change ain't cheap. It's costly. Man, I've been trying to eat healthy, trying to like lose like 20 pounds before this 10-year cruise that Leslie and I are doing here in about six weeks. I'm like, dang it. It's like 600 calories for that. Sucker. Forgiveness and acceptance are free. But look at the disciples. They changed the world because they didn't consider their lives anything. And we're so caught up in our little lives and we forget about the kingdom. Dang. Strong word. All right, number three. Commit to the process. Commit to the process. Transformations happen when a lot of small changes happen together. And really, it's just about how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be at the next level? How bad do you want to be there? Do you really want to be there? Because that'll show up. That's going to show up in your choices. It's going to show up in your decisions, how bad you want it. And you don't have to prove that to me or anybody else, but, but question yourself, how bad do I, do I really, do I really want to lose weight? Do I really want to, like, lay hands on sick people and then get healed? So I go to a prayer meeting once. All night prayer meeting. Boom, all night prayer meeting. Man, I'm going to get the power to lay hands on. What's happening? I went to the meeting. I fasted Xbox. It's not happening. How bad do you want it? you got to commit to the process. Um, Galatians 6. This is just kind of a theme scripture for us in, our, in the season we're in, in our lives. You know, I think it's... It, Probably for all of us, it's a good scripture to have memorized Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if. Dang it. Don't you wish that word if wasn't in there? Don't you wish, don't you wish sometimes that it was just read like this? So let us not get tired of doing what's good. Just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest. Thank you, Jesus. It's all finished. Yes, Lord, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. Oh, sorry. You might want to underline that in your Bible, highlight that part on your virtual Bible or whatever, digital Bible in a different color. It's got a word, if there, New Testament, after Jesus rose from the dead, if we do not give up. 
It's a commitment till the end. See, a commitment that's 99% committed isn't commitment. I know it stinks, right? Man, Josh, you're preaching a lot of law. I'm just preaching New Testament Christianity right here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. If we don't give up, if we don't stop, we're going to reap a harvest. But what happens? What happens if we go out and we plant seeds and we work 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 and we don't go outside for six months when the harvest is out there and we sit in our house, we won't reap it. We'll have to wait till next year. It will produce, but will you be there to receive it? You don't have to grow the seed. You just got to plant the seed. And you got to be there to receive the harvest. What's your capacity? So I encourage you this morning. I keep wanting to say tonight. Stay in there. (laughs) Stay in there. God's faithful. Leslie said this yesterday to somebody. I don't know who she said. She said, it's going to come back. Whatever you plant, it's going to produce something. We don't always know what it's going to look like when it comes out of the ground, but you plant a seed, something's going to happen. I was like, oh, that's a good word. That's a good word right there. We'll reap a harvest if we're there to receive it. If. So the commitment end. It's real fun because God is transforming you. Come on. I got good news for you this morning. God is changing you. He's transforming you. He's transforming me. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm not where I was at 20 years ago. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not where I was at five years ago or even a year ago. Thank you, God, that I'm becoming more like Jesus. That word transformed is metamorpho. And that's the word that we get from a egg becoming a butterfly. A little egg that produces a larva. It produces a pupa adult. Is it pupa or pupa? <laughs> Just kidding. The pupa adult, right? And then that becoming a butterfly, right? It's the process. We had a we had one of these little butterfly cages in our house uh, one time. Leslie bought it at you know, we bought it like a Walmart or some Target. I don't know. Dollar Tree. Come on, ching. And so we got this little you know incubator for a butterfly. We got them from your mom's house. And you put them in there. And so, or the caterpillars. We got the caterpillars. Sorry, we didn't get the full butterfly. You don't get the butterfly when you cash in, okay? You, you, get, you get the little worm. Oh, God, I want a butterfly. Worm. God, I want an oak tree. Seed. Acorn. So God gives you. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Be faithful. Okay. And so, Leslie gets this little thing, and she puts the little, you know, caterpillars in there. And they're, well, they start doing this thing. They... They're tripping out. Remember how weird that was? They like spun this little web. We're like, oh, caterpillars have webs. It was big, and then they start spinning this web. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. You look like YouTube it or something, and they're like start spinning around, and then they get in this little like cocoon. They create this cocoon with this weird web. That's weird. Yeah, there's puking involved, and so they they spin this, and it's like starts like. Violently, like you know, the little thing shaking. It's not, but the the little you know larva is shaking. <laughs> Such a funny word, larva. And so it becomes this cocoon, and it just sits there for a couple of days, and then nothing happens. Every once in a while, it just kind of shakes, you know, and you're just kind of what's going on? You know, could you imagine just having a camera? On? <laughs> it's scary, you know. You're just watching it, and so, and then all of a sudden emerges this beautiful 
butterfly. And this is where we get the word, or we, we get that, actually we get that word from the word transformation. The transformation means the same thing. It doesn't happen overnight. It's incredibly violent and uncomfortable and tedious and sporadic. It's crazy. But God's doing something. He's transforming you. And this is what the process looks like. So when we ask for God something new, he doesn't like come in and like exchange you because you can't be replaced. He doesn't exchange you. He changes you. He changes you from a larva to a butterfly. And the process isn't any fun sometimes. But if we hold on, it's coming. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Love this. Since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing, gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone trusts in the Lord... The veil is taken away. And now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Are being transformed. Being transformed into his likeness with ever Increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. You guys have heard the story about Moses, right? He goes up to the mountain and he encounters the glory of God and he comes down and he's like reflecting, right? And everybody would have saw that. They would have freaked out. They probably would have created an idol called Moses or something. And then they would have also saw that the glory that he had would fade. And so... They were like, okay, we need to cover your face so people don't, like, worship you or something weird like that. Or greater than that is people won't question your leadership, so we'll cover it up so nobody can see that you're actually decreasing in glory. And then Galatians here, Paul says that we can walk around with unveiled faces, that we can all reflect the Lord's glory, but not a glory that's fading, but a glory that's increasing. Not a glory that looks less like Jesus than I did five years ago, but a glory that looks more like Jesus than I did five days ago. And so what God is wanting to do today is he was wanting to remove the veil. Maybe the veil of shame. Maybe the veil of discouragement. Maybe the, the, the veil of uh, complacency. God is wanting to remove that and say, come on, let's enter in. Let's move into ever-increasing glory. Glory. 